All right, welcome back to another episode of Table Talks, where deeper conversations are something highly sought after but rarely explored. And I have here with me, as always, my co-host Alyssa. Hi, pumpkins. All right, so we're going to spill a little bit of tea this week. As you can tell, I'm a little sicky sick, I'm sure, by my stuffy nose. Um, but my tea this week is I'm actually, the guy that I'm seeing, I'm meeting his parents. Ooh, <laughs> yeah. that's always a fun one. Yeah, I'm a little nervous, I'm not gonna lie, I am a little nervous, um, but it's okay, I'm gonna, we're gonna You're really good it. at meeting parents, though, I remember when you met mine. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with it. I think it's just because it's like, it's not just a friend's parents, it's like the guy that I'm seeing's parents. Yeah, you so, always yeah. want the mom, the mom to like oh, you, God. the dad to think you're a saint, a lovely. Yeah. yeah, so yeah, I'm definitely, I'm definitely nervous about it for sure, but it's okay. I'm just you know, doing I'm just, dinner? No, I think we're just doing a normal, like, meeting and, like, I don't know, I'm going to his house. Like, we haven't really gone in depth to talk about it. We're going to talk about it later today, but um, he had brought it up last, last night, so I was kind of like... Oh, all right. Well, I mean, that's, like, your decision. Um, he's the big one that's, like, no, like, I'm, I'm not. Like, he's very much in his head has a timeline of things. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very much, like, yeah, whenever you're comfortable, like, let's roll with it. So, yeah, I'm definitely – I'm nervous, but I'm also, like, okay, it's it's been almost five months. I think it's time. <laughs> oh, yeah. I mean, whenever you're ready, you guys are ready, but yeah. just be yourself. I know. I'm going to try. I know that's, like, the most generic advice ever, but, like, really, you don't have to dress up a fancy outfit. You don't have to dress a certain way or act a certain way. Just be yourself. I know. And, and she your lovely already... personality will come through. Thanks. Yeah, and her, his mom was already like, ooh, she's so cute. Oh, she's adorable. And I was like, oh, God, okay. All right, well, that's a good start. And I'm like, okay, now just the rest of it has to come through, so... Now I'm gonna have to work on my um, sailor mouth before I. <laughs> I feel like that's always the hard one. Like if you do swear, yeah. Like I grew up and I did not swear around my parents at all. I'd swear, I'd swear in school, but not around my parents. Yeah. And then like when I finally did it, they were like, "What?" Well, it was weird because like I was the only one that did it. And, like all my siblings and stuff always swore. So it was just you were the outlier. Yeah, and then I you still, finally did it. I still say like all my lanta and everything. Like I don't try to drop a bunch of f-bombs or anything but the sailor mouth is rough yeah i wish i could say the same but i've got a sailor mouth so i'm a little nervous but it's okay i'm just gonna try to like reel it in i don't know how long we're doing our meeting i don't know if we're doing dinner i like have zero ideas to like what the idea is at this point so i'm just like keeping my mind open and just gonna go with the flow at this point that's where you just like catch yourself last minute save like what the fuck cake yeah (laughs) I'm going to have to do something. Like, absolutely going to have to do something. I say trucking a lot. Like, instead of fucking, I say trucking. I'm going to try to use the apple one that's, like, ducking, because it always changes (laughs) it to ducking, so I'm going to try ducking. I hate that. I do hate it, but, like, also, like, it might be funny. Like, maybe they'll get it. I don't know. I hope. They'll definitely get that. That's a very big autocorrect. Yeah. All right, so do you have any tea for us this week? Um, no major tea, but I did start reading or listening to an audiobook. Okay, okay. You know I'm, me, I love audiobooks, so drop yes, all the tea about it. I really like it. I feel like I do pretty well on the topic. The topic is like navigating difficult conversations. Um, I feel like I do well with conversations, but I always feel like there's room room for improvement, especially with like been encountering harder people to talk to like Mm -hmm. it's just a more difficult conversation it's becoming like arduous to talk to them and like I have never encountered that like I don't typically have the vicious circle of conversation Mm. 
it's... I was going to say, how does that make you feel, though? It's kind of... It makes me sad. Like, I feel sad, and, and it upsets me because, like, I do feel like I'm that open person that, like, people can come to and talk to me about anything and to be, one, having the problems without any, like, sort of resolution as well as, like, feeling or being, like, explained that I'm unapproachable or, like, intimidating. I mean... My my poor neighbor said that to me. She was like, oh, you're, like, so nice now that I met you, but I thought you were so intimidating. And I was like, oh, my gosh, I, like, never – I know I have the R- RBF. We talked about that. <laughs> but, like, I don't want to be that type of person in a conversation. Like, mm-hmm. I want people to be able to tell me anything and be comfortable. And so that was, like, really hard to hear. So I definitely started questioning myself. Um, but once I started doing, like, the research, and especially with the audiobook, I've kind of been like, oh, yep, that makes sense. Yep, I've been doing that. Okay, so it's – like giving me a little that, bit, a little bit here, or there. Yeah, obviously taking accountability for your part in a difficult conversation is always the hard part. Mm-hmm. You can you can one hundred percent throw all the blame, but like, oh da da da, like you did that, you did that. But like saying like oh no, like that was my fault. This was my role to play in the in the conversation. Like that's the harder part. Mm-hmm. It's definitely hard to like take accountability and not even in difficult conversations, but in like all aspects of your life to like recognize that like you have a choice and you have things that you have to like make the decision about and take that accountability. Like I did that. And like saying that out loud is like something that's really hard. And and then admitting it to a partner or whoever you're having that difficult conversation with is even harder. Yeah. And so this book's really been helping. I haven't even finished it, but oh my gosh. I mean, you've seen my notes. Mm -hmm. I have pages upon pages just on the first chapter, let alone the rest of it. Um, so I do ha- have to give a shout out to It's Difficult Conversations by Douglas Stone, Bruce Patton, and Sheila Heen. They also narrate the book um, that I'm listening to. And it is, a lot of it's based off a Harvard study. So I thought that was like a really good source. Mm. Like, they said they saw a lot of improvement with the skills that they started teaching within the book show improvement with the um, consumers. That's awesome. Um, I actually want to bring in a statistic that I have from harvard which i was like oh we didn't do our research together but we both pulled stuff from harvard university um i said harvard university did a study that 67 percent of managers are uncomfortable talking to the people that they manage and like that's a lot that's a large number of people that are like uncomfortable having difficult conversations as management and like i know we're talking on a more of a personal level level with these difficult conversations but i think this applies even in a professional way of like if you can have hard conversations in your personal life, they're going to roll over and get easier and easier the more that you have them and you'll be able to apply them professionally. Um, so I thought that was like a crazy statistic, like 67%. I thought anything more than 50%. And I was like, whoa. It's, it's like crazy to hear, but when you actually like think about it, like when I heard difficult conversation, I did immediately go like right to jobs because mm-hmm. I mean, you can kind of see it. I mean, how do we know that 67% of management isn't able to have hard conversations? Well, they're not being done at all. Mm-hmm. So, And you see that in the workplace. I mean, you can see that with people not saying good or bad things, especially the bad stuff. I mean, people don't want to ask for raises. That's what I wrote down. I wrote down a couple different types of, like, difficult, hard conversations to have. And I wrote asking for a raise, you know, breaking up, saying no to someone in need. 
um, disrespectful behavior and apologize, and that can go for the relationship and the workplace. Mm-hmm. Like, those are hard things to have. I also wrote down things like being the minority opinion, you know, having that group of your team or your friends that are all like, oh, yeah, I agree with that, and then you're like, oh, mm-hmm. I kind of disagree, actually. Yeah. <laughs> um, in more relationship stuff, saying I love you for the first time or... Mm-hmm at different times as well as like neighbor conflict I thought that was a big one that I didn't really Mm. go to right away well I think because like I know for myself like I live in a pretty good neighborhood even though like I'm in the city like we all say hi to each other when we're outside our houses like we all like you know oh how's your day like that sort of stuff just like you know neighborly talk but I definitely know people that like own homes have like rough encounters encounters. thank you that's the word I was looking for with their neighbors and I'm like I don't I don't know what that's like, but I'm sure eventually, like, when I live somewhere, I'll probably have one. It can get really bad really quick. I know someone that actually had to get into, like, a courtroom situation over, like, their neighbors just were so mad at the things that they were doing. And I was like, you guys need to talk. And at some point, talking isn't always going to work, but, Mm. like, that's tough. And especially, I live in a condo association so i have people above and below me and i try to be like the politest neighbor i'm on the second floor so i know there's people below me yeah Um, you always yell at me stop banging on the floor yeah i'm like no lead feet stop it like we're not bouncing basketballs i mean that's also how my mother Mm. (laughs) would grow up don't do that no kicking ball in the house you know um but i know with personal experience above neighbors Mm. can definitely be the sucky portion like Mm -hmm. for a while they've actually improved but i had a neighbor that just i could hear every argument i could hear their tv in in my room like i was watching the program oh my goodness and a couple times i had to go up and i was like hey could you just like turn down the music but like that's uncomfortable. Yeah, that's is you know really you don't want to have a bad relationship with your neighbors because you're gonna be living right next to them. Like they can make your life hell. So like that's something that comes across your mind when you're like about to knock on the door and be like, uh, do I want to do this? Yeah, it's like do I wanna do I wanna like start this right now or do I just leave it and like go put headphones on and go to bed? Like you have yeah. to think about that. And I, I feel like you can definitely talk yourself out a lot out of it a lot more of the time like oh I can just put headphones on or it'll just happen for a while you know all the dog will calm down whatever it is Mm -hmm. the baby's crying like oh I can't control that but you have to start having a conversation at some point Mm -hmm. and you don't want to wait until it becomes a hard conversation I think with all the research that we've done trying to communicate effectively and openly before it becomes a hard conversation you sent me it was a snowball effect video yeah. about how often times if you hold on to that stuff, it becomes a much bigger conversation. It's going to roll down that hill. You know, snowball starts off small and then you just do, 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 It gets do, bigger do, do, and bigger and bigger. And then you don't want to bring it up. It's like that awkward silence. But a lot of times you're still holding those feelings. Like yeah. inside is getting way, way bigger. And you're mm-hmm. like, oh, but I'm not going to say anything. So mm-hmm. it still stays small. But those feelings just turn into, like, a dark cloud. Yeah, yeah, and you carry that with you, like, day in and day out of that interaction with that person, too, I think is where, like, for me, I felt like the snowball effect was like, okay, you're going to harbor that, those feelings, and it's going to grow and grow because you're going to continuously think about these this conversation you want to have. So you're going to have and back up with evidence, but you're building a conversation almost in your head of how this conversation is going to go without actually just, like, stating the conversation. 
And that can be difficult because you're just like, you're taking on what the other person is going to do and you can't control what the other person is going to do or say. So like those conversations have to, you just have to open the door as soon as kind of have that, that conversation. There was something, I think I had said this on a previous episode where it was, if it bothers you for 48 hours, you need to say something within 24 hours. And, or, you know, if it bothers you within 20, if it bothers you for 24 hours, you need to say something within like 48 hours. So it's like, okay, if it's still bothering you after 24 hours, after that 24 hours, you should, you should have a conversation about it. Yeah. I really don't like to let things lie. I mean, some situations you kind of have to stop the conversation to be able to go back at it successfully, but like starting the actual dialogue of a difficult conversation. I really love that the 24 to 48 hour rule, like, because it also allows your whoever it is your partner your friends um to answer timely like Mm. think about any conversation you've had where you're like oh you know you did this you you may have said this and they're like i don't remember that Mm -hmm. well it's been two weeks you know yeah so (laughs) you hold on to that people are going to forget it's not going to be fresh in your mind as well and then all those feelings are just going to sit there harboring and getting worse yeah and it's like that tiktok trend that's going around that's like oh um yeah, for you, for me, it was a major traumatic event. For you, it was a, just another Wednesday. And it's like, okay, for that person that, you know, is feeling all the feelings about what this other person said, yeah, it's a really traumatic event for them or, like, something that really stuck with them. But if you wait two weeks, that other per- person is going to have no idea what they said, what they did, how they acted, because if for them it was just another event. It wasn't, like, it was something that happened in their day-to-day. It wasn't, like, a major event for them. Yeah, that a difference of opinion or interpretation, mm-hmm. I think, was a lot in my research here. Um, I did want to touch in before we kind of dive in. I wrote down a little bit about what we're talking about, which is the negative, I think, con- consequences, mm-hmm. I guess, of difficult conversations. So I, I wrote down, like, long-term feelings about that hard conversation, and you might still feel lousy whether you've had the conversation or not and it maybe doesn't end so well you still have those feelings and I think it can definitely strain the relationship after if it Mm -hmm. isn't so successful or maybe you do hold it back but I think in that set in that sense too like making sure that you validate how the other person is feeling if and even if you don't agree like you can agree to disagree at the end of the conversation but just make sure that you validate how the other person is feeling and i think that's really important and i think we kind of lose sight of that because we're always trying to state the way that we're feeling and how our minds are working and what we're thinking that like we miss out on the opportunity to validate someone else's feelings because i think that can seriously diffuse like an entire conversation and bring it down to like a baseline we can have a calm and collective conversation. Yeah, and I, I really love that the audiobook touched upon, like, the surface-level stuff and not only analyzing, like, what's being said, but what's also not being said and mm-hmm. those underlying feelings that might be occurring. I feel like a lot of people will go into the conversation with their intent, their expectations of how it's going to go, and then what's at the surface level, like, the actual overall problem that might have caused the conversation to happen Mm -hmm. and not thinking about their partner's underlying feelings around what happened yeah and I think so like some of my notes touched upon like how to um like open up the dialogue and make sure that you both agree on what the outcome is going to be so either Mm -hmm. like agreeing to disagree or the outcome is you both come to you know x outcome based on whatever the situation is um But I think, like, that's 
all good and well. And I think making sure that you, another point that like the book didn't talk about, but that I'm thinking about after I heard some of the things you say is like making sure you express and you give space to let the other person also express how this situation is making them feel right from the beginning. Like make sure that you both understand and you can both validate how each of you are feeling with this topic at hand before you dive in, because then you may have a better understanding of why your partner feels the way they feel or you're the other person in this conversation. Yeah, I definitely like that. Um, I do want to ask you what your specific, like when you walk into a hard, difficult conversation, like what are you trying to accomplish or what do you want as an outcome? I think I want to the research or is it something more personal? I think I want both of us to agree, whether it's like to agree to disagree or agree to work on some sort of solution around the problem. Cause like if it's a problem specifically more or less like my spouse, I don't want it to be like me against you. I want it to be me and you against whatever this problem is for us to come to an actual outcome. So we can like work around whatever the problem is in the relationship and come to a sound outcome that is either like, okay, we're going to example like, oh, you know, I'm missing you a lot. I feel like you're ignoring me. Like, okay, how can we fix that? Like, okay, well, we can spend more time. We can make a date night. We can do X, Y, and Z and like setting a plan in place. So like having a common solution that works for both me and my partner as, you know, specifically around that situation. Um, So I think I just want to agree, whether it's agree to disagree on the topic and just hold each other in like a valid a validated state okay i validate what you're saying you validate what i'm saying but we're just, we just can't agree and like that's okay and move on or like agree for a solution for us to like fix whatever your said problem is okay so i'm hearing like you really like the resolution portion of the yeah. conversation i'm much more like let's solve the problem i i think i can agree with a lot of what you said i understand that you're not always gonna get a resolution like oh well you know this x problem so why is the the answer and the solution to the problem so i think i want to just feel very heard Mm. understood and really just share information a lot of it for me is like I mean, right now, especially with the point I am at my life, I'm, like, really looking at how my actions, like, long-term how it became to where they are now. So I'm, like, tracing it back to, like, childhood and just growing up and, like, what may have happened, those circumstances that are making me feel a certain way. So, like, I like to be able to communicate that to my partner and say, like, you know, oh, X happened and it has something to do with, you know, how I grew up and this is why and then just get that understanding Mm -hmm. and I don't always need like an apology or an outright solution like I would prefer someone asking me I really that's what I love about our relationship we have talked about it in previous episodes but when we talk just in general we're always like oh do you have capacity for us to have this conversation like I I don't want the conversation when you're about to leave five minutes before you go to work like Mm -hmm. I don't want that ask me if it's a good time or maybe we can talk later like set if you want to have, like, a long conversation or even just a more in-depth one. I want to set time up, time away for us to actually be able to both be yeah. present for that conversation. And, like, maybe I'm busy. Maybe I'm, like, in the middle of cooking or something, and then I can't really pay attention. I really want to give everyone's full attention. I really would. I, I would just be like, oh, my gosh, I, I really want to pay attention to what you're saying, but I can't do that right now. Can we so. set time apart when, like, we're sitting down to eat dinner? Can we... Can you... You know, write write some notes. Maybe down. not during dinner. 
like just sit down and just carve out that time so that we can just talk about it and both of us walk away feeling understood acknowledged I think is a big one for me like I do like being understood but acknowledging mm. like maybe our faults both whoever's fault I don't want to say fault um taking accountability I think contribution was a great word that mm. the audiobook used okay um it, it's not so much about blame. Like, that was the first type of conversation that I wrote down was, like, the what happened conversation, um, which is usually a disagreement over what happened or who said what, who's right or wrong. Um, I think assumptions play a huge factor in these types of conversations. Yeah, and I think that applies, too, to that, like, snowball effect. Like, because you're waiting to have that conversation, you're making all of these assumptions, what the other person is going to say, how they're going to feel, what they're going to do based on what you do. And like, now you're just having this like mixed emotions and thought process that just like doesn't, doesn't bode well. I do that in my everyday life. I'm like, oh, this is going to happen. And then especially like when I'm fantasizing about flirtatious moments, you know, I'm like, (laughs) oh, this is going to happen. I'm going to touch his shoulder and then this is going to happen. And he's going to say this. And like, you can't set yourself up to that. Because um, assumptions really do set you up for failure. They do. And I, the other note that I said was, like, don't um, don't walk into the conversation with unfounded assumptions mm. or information. Because, for example, if you're talking about uh, possibility of cheating, you can't walk in there. If you don't have founded information that yeah. your partner is cheating but you want to discuss it, you shouldn't be walking in like, you're cheating on me. Yeah, yeah, that's not going to go over very well. <laughs> it's going to get your your partner really defensive in that, or whoever, you know, your other side of the conversation. It's a, already a difficult conversation, and I think putting blame or, like, who's right or wrong mm-hmm. isn't the best approach. No. People talk about, like, math, for example. Like, there is a right and a wrong answer. So I, so I thought... So I thought, I don't know, there's some new math coming out that my cousin, or not my cousin, my nephew, has been, like, teaching me. And I'm like, so 5 plus 1 is now 7? How did we get to 5 plus 1 is now 7? 5 plus 1 is 6. What? Yeah, I, listen, I couldn't explain to you. I don't have screenshots. I wish I would have taken a picture of this problem. But all of a sudden, 5 plus 1 is 7. Don't ask me why. Well, I do know math is 100% like man-made. Yeah, so we can just decide to change it at any point. It's fine. Okay, I understand. Great. So you can't, you can't even have right and wrong in math, okay, mm-hmm. everybody? Anyway, sorry, that was a little tangent. I like had this conversation with someone yesterday, and I was like, I don't understand. How did 5 plus 1 become? I'm like, 5, 1, that's... There's six things in front of me, not seven. Where does seven come from? Okay, so, I mean, take that take that example, though. We were taught in school that five plus one equals six. Yep. So now if they're teaching, if they're teaching five plus one equals seven... Yep. Your um, nephew, nephew is going to say that he's right. You're going to say that you're right. And what does that actually do for the conversation? Nothing. So if you guys kind of come in with a more understanding approach, be like, oh, can you tell me how you got to 5 plus 1 equals 7? And, like, ask those leading questions and just gain more information. The goal is not to figure out if you're right or wrong, because you you, typically you guys both right, or you have some common sense um, compatibility that you guys are, not even that you're right, but that you just agree to have two different, you know, stories, Perspectives. perspectives. Um, but you get that better understanding of how seven became, <laughs> yeah, it became seven sudden. instead of six. I know. I don't understand. It's okay. I was just like, okay, sure. That's your math. I'm yeah. just going to nod my head and say, okay, because I barely understand math as it is. So I was like, 
I know for a fact five plus one is six, but um, whatever your teachers are teaching you, that's the new math, and I'm just going to nod my head and say okay, <laughs> because I don't understand how we got there, and I'm not going to argue about it. <laughs> I really liked um, the part in the book. It, like, made me stop, and I was like, I paused the book, the audio book, and I was like, I got to answer this question, so I want to ask you. Oh, okay. So, put me on the spot. It, it was, surely I must be right sometimes, right? Oh. And oh. I, I was like asking myself, I was like, am I right sometimes? Like those things that we absolutely think we are right on point, we could Google it and it'd come up. Or like But is being right like the perfect end result? Because like then your partner doesn't feel validated and like they right? feel like shit. I went right back to I like paused and I went right back to Dr. Phil. You can be right or you can be happy. And I was like, mm. Yeah, right isn't probably going to get me. Like focusing on that I'm right isn't going to get me far in the conversation, but Mm -hmm. focusing on the end goal that I would like to continue this relationship and be happy with the end result led me to, like, no, I'm not always right, and that's okay, too. Mm -hmm. It's okay to be wrong. Because I think, too, a lot of our I'm right comes from our, like, assumptions. And, like, you know, that's our assumption of this conversation or this topic, but everybody has a different perspective so their assumption of this topic is totally different and like so you're not right because everyone's experience is different that is exactly what i wrote down i wrote that it isn't about right or wrong but perceptions interpretation values and what is important not what's true Mm. um i loved that and i just actually listened to a little bit more in the book and they were talking about relating to what information is available to us we don't all have the same background like I grew up in a very good school town that had a lot of education but people don't always have that you know everyone grows up differently so your information might be a little bit more like smaller or hindered by mine and maybe I just need to help you work through that information Mm -hmm. that newer information that you might not not know about yeah and I always like encourage people to like if there's new information that I'm teaching you I am not 100% right and I do not know everything please hit the google machine and like seek other people's perspective on that topic because you your morals and values are very different than mine and so your perspective of that could be very different of that topic that like you could have kind of like a nasty taste in your mouth about said topic where I'm mm. like oh we like joyful about the topic and you're like the fuck and like so do your research and like just educate yourself more because I don't I don't think there ever comes a time where more education is a bad thing no absolutely I love learning mm-hmm. I didn't love the school system per se but I love <laughs> learning yeah. and I'm always like chomping at the bit to learn more yeah that's why you and I like to read so much <laughs> seriously <laughs> Um, and then I did write around intentions. So I think intentions is another big point in that what happened conversation, Mm. how you walk into that with your intentions, like we kind of are talking about, but like the interpretation around what happened in the situation, you know, are you yelling at me to yell at me or are you, you know, hurt and getting defensive? Mm. Yeah, and I think that's where, like, the validating your partner's feelings really comes into play. Because if you can validate how they're feeling and, like, get to the bottom of, like, what their intent was behind either they're yelling, they're crying, whatever, and you can validate that feeling, that's probably going to diffuse a lot of 
that yelling or that anger or the crying or whatever because you've now just validated how they felt and been like, I hear you. Like, I can understand how you feel and I I would probably feel the same way. You say those words and it's like a whole new door opens up and your partner can kind of like relax and like recognize that this is like a safe space to have this sort of conversation yeah i know i'm a frequent uh mad crier (laughs) (laughs) i i can get so frustrated that i just like "Ah!" i'm sorry headphone users (laughs) but i just start crying because i'm like so frustrated that i'm not being heard so like Mm -hmm. i really try to implement almost like parroting back what my partner just said to me so i'm like okay, it sounds like you're feeling, you know, lonely because I wasn't around as much this week. Is that right? Mm-hmm. And that, like, helps me gain a little bit better of a footing on understanding. Yeah, because... And I don't take it as, like, an intentional, like, oh, you, you know, you're just attacking me because I, I've been too busy. Mm-hmm. And I think something else that kind of, like, plays into this is, like, recognizing what your partner is hearing. Like, you can say something but they may not hear what you just said there because of their experiences and where they're at mentally and emotionally with this conversation, they could hear something totally different from what you said. Um, so it's yeah. always a good thing to ask, like, okay, what did you just hear? That, yeah. I think that's... Like, Asking that question mm-hmm. out, right? Just outright. Okay, I just stated how I was feeling and a lot of, like, emotions or a lot of, like, my own thoughts. What of that did you hear? And then if they compare it back to you, exactly what you said or a roundabout in, you know, their words, what you said, but it still validates all your points and like, okay, your partner really heard you. But if they start saying other things, da, 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 you can be like, okay, wait, hold on. Like, where are you at mentally with this conversation? Because clearly like we're not on the same page. I'm in a more like composition and you're in a more like ready to like fight and argue position. So yeah. like why, wh- where, and why is there a disconnect and, like, what odds are we at and how can we fix that so we can come to, like, an even baseline and, like, diffuse this conversation so we can actually have a conversation without either one of us having, like, that elevated, like, I want to just yell at you. Even though I'm going to tell you there are times I just want to fucking fight. <laughs> I, feel like I just want to pick a fight. I'm like, I just want to fight. Like, can I just But at least you? you can acknowledge that. Oh, my God. 100%. That's, I think, a, another factor. But I did want to bring – I think that brings up the point you just made – the listening to respond versus listening to hear Mm. and I think some people can struggle with that I mean even I catch myself doing it in in conversation Mm -hmm. I'm just like so busy trying to like get my next game point you know move Mm -hmm. on and I'm like oh where am I gonna take that it's like strategy and I'm like why am I trying to get a strategy in a hopefully peaceful conversation where I'm just trying to get my feelings out Mm -hmm. and so I kind of realign myself there but taking the time to just hear that person out even if it takes you a little while I know we touched upon it just a few minutes ago but giving your time your partner time Mm -hmm. to process everyone processes differently I personally hate being cut off Mm -hmm. I will trump you so hard I would be like let me can I finish (laughs) yes you will (laughs) I will I'll be like I wasn't finished can you please let me finish Mm -hmm. and then you can explain whatever your side or your point you know oh put a pin in that I'm not completely done I don't like being cut off because I'm mid-thought and then I can't I'm also a little bit more vocal as far as working my feelings outwardly Mm. I do process a lot inwardly at first but then I want to get it out so if I don't feel like I get it out then I feel unheard Mm -hmm. so I feel like 
giving them a chance to process, you know, maybe they don't have anything right away and then they need time to come up with what they're going to say. I think I love that because I'm much more like I need a minute to think, which is why I'm a big like I write letters to like Mm. express like how I feel about someone. And I know that's, like, super old school. I know you love it. Like, I always write you letters. I write, like, my friend's letters. And it's just because, like, in a simple text of, like, going back and forth and saying, hi, how are you? Like, catching up a little bit. Like, I don't feel like I get to express how much, like, you mean to me. So, like, being able to put it into, like, a letter form is a lot of the ways that, like, I just, like, I process better because I can take the time to, like okay, wait, the way that I'm gonna, I'm, I want to write that, that doesn't sound right. Hold on, can I, like, okay, let me use my thesaurus. Oh, my gosh, the <laughs> amount of times that I, <laughs> I go back and rewrite things, I'm like, that's not right. Mm-hmm. And that's why, like, even now, computer is even better because I can, like, type it up on the computer first and, like, delete, 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 that's not right. I don't like that whole paragraph. Let's, like, start over. But, like, it gives me the option to get my thoughts out on paper. So sometimes I do, like, have to step away from the conversation for 5, 10, 15, 20 minutes and just, like, jot some things down on paper and then I can come back to the conversation with like bulleted notes and I know that that can be really like scary for some people that like I'm approaching you with like a a piece of paper like I'm ready to fight and it's like I'm not ready to fight with this piece of paper I just this is how I process information so I think recognizing also how your partner processes information and the best way for both of you to go about it to release any of that anxiety is really important like I know that I have not had this conversation with my spouse right now so like this will have to be a conversation of like (laughs) hey yeah like hey like with really big conversations I'm gonna need you to like come to me talk it out in the beginning but I may need to take like a 10-15 minute break and like go write some things down because I just won't be able to express them like in that moment I'm better off like you know when you always think of a better comeback later on in an argument like yes. it's that's in like my head and I'm like thinking like right away of like the things I want to say but it's not necessarily exactly what I want to say yeah. so it doesn't come off the right way sometimes I'll be laced with a little bit of attitude because you not, just yeah and I don't want to bring that to the table so like I just want to take a step apart and I think this is another part that like my notes like specifically touched upon it's like looking after yourself in a conversation mm. like recognize when you have hit like max capacity and yeah. you need to step back and you either need to table the conversation for a totally different time frame, maybe it's a conversation you don't ever have again because you just don't feel like there's gonna be any resolution. You have to just hit that like we have to agree to disagree. Or like, okay, before we leave this conversation, like I know I need at least twenty minutes right now to like go for a walk, listen to some music, do a meditation, like do some yoga, maybe go for a run, maybe that's your thing. Um self-care during a stressful period yeah just like do whatever you need to do to take a minute and like make sure you just really look after yourself in those moments and I think that kind of applies like for me like being able to be like okay I'm getting overwhelmed there's a lot of things being said I need to go write some things down to get my thoughts on paper and organize and then we can come back to this conversation and have a much more you know meaningful conversation where I'm not gonna feel like I'm overwhelmed and, and anxious Um, so just, you know, I think that's a really big part about having difficult conversations is recognizing how you and your partner both communicate one. And then two, making sure that once you've hit a point of max capacity or you're feeling overwhelmed or you're, you're anxious, take a step back and be able to take a break from, from that conversation. I think that's an awesome conversation to have early on. Um, I mean, I don't know about you, Joss, but I've had some very long (laughs) drawn out conversations and 
I'm also a body language person, so I mm. pick up on not only mine, but my partner's body language or, like, my friends, whoever it is. And I start to, like, notate those little features that oh, I so, so that hard. I know when to stop the conversation or, like, be like, are you okay? Like, how are you processing this? Like, do you want some space to figure it out? Um, so I do think having the process conversation super early, like, the earlier the better, mm-hmm. but also, like, knowing your partner's exhaustion points Mm -hmm. like I start to get a headache it's like I got the stress level I'm like over here getting a migraine and then I'm just like feeling like I'm like kind of getting numb Mm -hmm. like I've talked out so much I'm trying to process so much we may be going around in circles it depends on the conversation but like I know Mm -hmm. my exhaustion point do do you have those I definitely do but I think I just reached the point that like most of those conversations end with me crying so hard that I fall asleep and then it never gets I brought back them. up. And I, and I do. I and I, I hate those conversations and like, it doesn't, to me, it's like nothing ever got resolved and mm-hmm. I'm still sitting here with this like lump in my chest. I'm still crying the next day, like on and off. Like it's not even all at once. And like, you know, whoever I had the conversation with wasn't around to like finish out the conversation cause they were busy or I'm busy. So I'm taking off to go to work or whatever. And it's never like, it never becomes a good time to have that conversation again because then things go back to normal and things are okay. And it's like, but they're not okay. Cause internally, neither one of us are okay, but neither one of us, again, that snowball effect are willing to like speak up and have a, a conversation about it again. Yeah. I think not having any point of resolution when you get to those like exhaustion points is very difficult because you do wake up, you know, you want to start fresh. Maybe you've tabled the conversation, by the way, tabling the conversation is perfectly acceptable and, and mm-hmm. somewhat normal. I mean, you're not gonna be able to figure out everything in no. one conversation and no one wants to get to the exhaustion point. So it's always better to just be like, Table I don't see this. You get there. Yeah, I usually say like, I don't see this conversation being as productive as it could be. Um, why don't we take some space? And then try to, and I'll give a follow-up date. You know, maybe that's a couple hours. Maybe that is the next day after work. Depends on the schedule. Yeah. Um, Because, you know, how awkward is it to wake up the next morning and you want to start fresh, but you're still having those, like, feelings or the unresolved emotion? And then you got to go see that person. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Whether that's a coworker, a friend, anybody. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it gets, it gets super awkward. And I love that you brought that up because that's advice that, like, we also heard from my cousin who has been in a 10-year relationship. They've mm-hmm. been married for... Shout out to almost, him. He was lovely. Yeah, almost five years, I think, now, or three years now. I'm not exactly sure how long they've been married. Um, but he very much said, he's like, there have been plenty of conversations me and my wife have had that we have not ever finished. We just sometimes just, sometimes she just wants to fight. Sometimes I just want to fight. And sometimes we just scream and yell at each other. There's no resolution. And then we just go to bed mad at each other. We wake up in the morning and we start all over. And he's like, sometimes there's just no resolution. You can't come to one sometimes. And sometimes you just have to accept that there's not a resolution and you have to go to bed mad. I think that's another thing I kind of want to touch upon with difficult conversations. I think people, and I was very much in this mindset when I had my like first relationship that like, I don't want to go to bed mad. I I want growing up, growing up, people said that a lot, like you shouldn't go to bed mad. Yeah. And like, I don't agree with that anymore because I think we do reach a point of exhaustion we have lives like we all have lives so like we have work the next day or we you know we have things we have to do the next day whether it's getting the house ready or cooking or cleaning or whatever like we all have lives so like the next day isn't always like it's not good to keep that conversation rolling until like two three four in the morning 
because again, you're beating a dead horse at some point. Like neither one of you are hearing each other. You're kind of just talking again and again and reiterating your points, but you've heard each other's points a million times and you're just like you said, you get to that point of just being numb. I was going to say, I think the people that say you shouldn't go to bed angry are the people that haven't hit exhaustion during a conversation. Mm. Um, because I know I did have a similar feeling until I hit one of those conversations and I was like, well, that was a big road bump. Okay. Yeah. Um, that's, I, I like, I need to go to bed because I, I have no more to say. I'm not being productive. I'm just being an absolute bitch right now. Mm. Like I said, very self-aware. Um, I think to kind of play a little devil's advocate in a different light, I really loved, it was Kristen Bell and Dax Shepard's interview. Oh God, um, I know exactly which one you're talking about. Yeah, we both saw that one. Yeah. Kristen Bell typically, uh, in the beginning of their relationship, would try to leave and she would like go off and drive away. And that really left Dax Shepard in like a uncomfortable position. And he just outright said to her, like, we need to sort this out. We got to figure out a way that's going to work. I don't want you leaving. And he allowed her to take the space, like... And they set their boundaries for each other. Like mm-hmm. It started with her just being able to go, you you can go sit in the car, but you can't drive the car away. Yeah. And then it eventually got to the point of, like, okay, you can't leave the house. So then she couldn't even go sit in the car. He, she could go to any other room in the house, whatever. And then it eventually got to the point of, like, okay, we can't leave the room. Yeah. And then they, but they could take space. They could be silent, you know, go to the bathroom, anything like that, get drinks of water. But it was, like... We're going to finish the conversation. Yeah, and in the meantime, they were working on their communication and relationship com- like conversations. Mm-hmm. So Which... I think that combination just worked wonders, mm-hmm. and I loved that. But it that's not for everyone. It isn't. No. And I think I think they ha- like that's a great example of making sure that you're both feeling heard and you're both like validating each other's feelings like okay Dax would get really overwhelmed and anxious when she would leave like she wasn't coming back that sort of thing and you know admitting that to your partner that's hard and then like telling giving him her boundary of like okay you can leave the house but like you can't drive away in the car like I think that you know and like you said like setting those boundaries of this is what I will allow and this is what I won't allow yeah because I I know in that I'm pretty sure in that interview he said, like, I won't continue this relationship if that's how every conversation's going to end because we're mm-hmm. never going to be able to finish the conversation if you leave. Mm-hmm. And it's not like he was just like, oh, well, you can't do this. It was like they worked together towards yeah. those boundaries. Well, and it was like he was just stating that, like, he's not going to continue to put up with the fact that, like, she takes off because he just wants a resolution. And that's very much like, I feel like, um, kind of like the male perspective of, like, guys have very much like a solution-based oriented yeah. brain. And women don't, like, we're much more emotional. And that's okay. Like, sure, women eventually, like, yes, we all want to have a solution. Like, I think that's the whole point of having difficult conversations. You want to have a solution because you want to feel heard. You want you want things to be said. But I think it's sometimes you have to make sure that those boundaries are in place before you have those difficult conversations of, like, hey, you can't leave. Or, hey, I want to make sure that we finish this conversation tonight. Or, okay, I know this is a really lengthy, kind of big conversation, so I want to make sure that I allow space for us to, you know, have to do this conversation on another day. Like, Yeah, I know we both wrote in our notes, like, keep goals realistic. Mm-hmm. And yep. that that's another, like, a great approach to a conversation. You know, you can't resolve to fix everything tonight, but you can 
work out maybe what you can today and then deal with the rest, you know, in a couple hours or the next conversation over the next course of the week. Mm-hmm. Um, so keeping the goals realistic and not setting yourself up for failure right off of the bat. Mm-hmm. And I think recognizing both, too, where you and your partner are at based on, like, your schedules. Like, mm. are you so exhausted this week that this is just not a good week to have this conversation with you? Mm. I know it's something really hard for me, and I want to talk about it right now because I'm having all these emotions. But, like, also make sure that you create space that your partner has a say in that conversation as well. Like, make sure your partner isn't also just being super dismissive and, like, no, I'm just tired. I don't want to talk about it, like, all the time. I think being sure that, like, it's like, okay, I recognize that you're tired tonight. So, like, I know tonight's probably not a good idea to talk about this. But I would really like to have this conversation in the next 48 hours with you because it's fresh on my mind. It's fresh in my feelings. And I don't want this to create, like, a bigger problem in our relationship later down the road. Yeah. And just, like, do, can you make space for me and this conversation, you know, tomorrow before we have dinner or, you know, something like that. Yeah, I think on the counterpoint, you know, you may be tired and exhausted, but leaving that space for your partner as well. Mm-hmm. You know, I am really tired, but I do want to hear you out. Can we maybe take care and talk about the emotion that you're feeling, like the anxiety that you're feeling around this conversation? And then we can have a further discussion you know, tomorrow about it when Mm -hmm. I have a little bit more time to sleep and relax. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I think, again, that's, like, the making sure you're looking after yourself, but also, like, understanding that when you're in a partnership, like, you're not just looking after yourself, you're also looking after your partner. Oh, yeah. You're balancing both of your guys' emotions, everything that's going on. Like, Mm -hmm. relationships, I do feel, are very heavy. Mm -hmm. They're hard. Relationships, if someone were to tell me, like, oh, relationships are easy, I'd be like, I don't know which one you're in, honey, (laughs) but, like, yeah, I mean, but in plenty, and, like, they're not easy, because there's a lot of compromising that happens a lot of the time in in a relationship. Yeah, Um, they're very fulfilling, but it doesn't cut any of the work out that you mm -hmm. have to do to make it fulfilling. Mm -hmm. Yep, absolutely. All right, I think we're going to take a small break, and then we'll be right back. Welcome back. We took a short break, so we go get some more water and whatnot. So uh, we're just going to jump right back into things. Alyssa? Uh, I wanted to go more in-depth about the different types of conversations. So I know we talked about the what happened conversation, but I really like to jump into the feelings type of conversation. Um, I think a lot of times we will have a lot of assumptions walking in, that expectation, and don't think about how we're actually going to communicate while in the conversation. It's great to make some, like, jarring points or maybe, like, we have some funny comebacks or sarcastic things that come up, but focusing on your feelings rather than the conflict is a better approach to try to get that resolution. Um, I know... Typically, you have to start with before the conversation. Mm-hmm. So walking into that, you know, are my feeling are my feelings valid? Are they appropriate or inappropriate? Um, should you check them at the door? Mm-hmm. I wrote down. Uh, what about the other person's feelings? Are they already angry or hurt? Maybe you know the situation, and you know your partner's already hurt or upset, mm-hmm. and like walking in. So I think assessing possible feelings Mm -hmm. Uh, you can obviously attest to your own but if you're going to talk about like think about your partners maybe just get somewhat of a grasp at what they might be feeling is helpful um what do you think about having conversations around feelings um i mean i think 
starting off and I said this earlier in the episode of just like stating how you're feeling directly in the beginning and both of you like validating each other and just both of you getting the opportunity to state how you feel about said topic I think is always like a really good idea because I think it gives that space of like okay let me validate how you're feeling and how I could see how you could feel that way or I can understand why you feel a certain way um I think we need to touch upon taking accountability in other people in your feelings like I always say that you have control over your feelings no one else can make you feel a certain way Mm -hmm. um you alone can feel hurt but another person's actions can bring that feeling about Mm -hmm. um and with that like I said in the earlier part of the episode it may be that you feel sad because something happened previously so acknowledging that like something from your childhood Mm -hmm. that made you feel that way and that's why you do feel sad assessing that for yourself and I mean you can assess it with your partner too like it's always good to bring that stuff up and and have that open dialogue of like hey the way that you went about this gave me a trigger about my childhood and x y and z and you can kind of discuss and work those things out and be like hey could you approach me maybe in this way better um, when it comes to this topic, just because it's kind of a more sensitive topic for me. Um, but I definitely think, like, taking the accountability and using, like, I feel statements is really important. Yes, um, I know we talk about that a lot. Mm-hmm. I, I will get so defensive if someone's like, oh, you did this, you make me that. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I can't make you do anything, excuse me? Mm-hmm. Because you have to take ownership of your feelings that... You have to know that those are your feelings and I can't do anything. And you are the ultimate person that is able to change and decide what you're feeling. Yeah, I was going to say, I like the big thing for me is like deciding how I feel. Like, okay, I also recognize too, like, you know, as much as people are like, oh, like your cycle has nothing to do with it. And I love, like, for me, knowing my body and like I said earlier, sometimes I just want to pick a fight. Mm-hmm. I'm like, okay, I'm at that stage in my month that I just I want to fight with you. So like, can we pick a fight over something really, really stupid? Just don't say anything hurtful. Like, let's just pick a fight over something. It's really dumb and like, I just I just need to do this. Like, I just need to feel good about picking a fight. So, recognizing those feelings and taking accountability for the fact that like, you know, I'm feeling a little more angry today. So like, yeah, I want to pick a fight with somebody, but like, okay, why, why are we feeling that way? Okay. Did something happen in the day that like set me off? Or like, is this a hormonal fluctuation? And like, just as much as like women can have hormonal like fluctuations, so can men, men fluctuate throughout the day in a more 24 hour cycle than like a 28 day cycle like women do. Um, but I think just recognizing like, okay, are you set off by something in the very beginning of your day or in the very beginning of this conversation with this person um or is it you know deeper and more underlying than that yeah I really love and um maybe we can throw it up on our insta um there you can quickly google it it's like an emotional like emotion circle um and it starts on the inner circle and it goes with the very basic emotions like happy sad um anger fear this one has disgust and surprise on it um, and then it kind of breaks it down, with, you know, by those sections. So if you're happy, you might be proud, accepted, uh, peaceful, powerful. But if you're angry, maybe you're um, hurt or jealous. It just depends on the situation. And that kind of, I feel like for people that don't always understand their emotions and they kind of just go right off the bat with whatever they're feeling, this can help them understand it a little bit more. You start at the beginning, the more general, and then get specific. Mm-hmm. And... I love that. Mm-hmm. That way you're coming to me and saying, I felt really embarrassed that you said that comment in front of my friends. Mm-hmm. And, like, 
then you guys can have a productive conversation about like how that affected you and maybe what you can do the next time or going forward so that doesn't happen mm -hmm. it, you don't it's not like you felt attacked right and and you're using and by your you know by using that like i feel embarrassed it wasn't like you embarrassed me in front of our friends you're not placing blame on somebody else which i yeah. think is something when you have difficult conversations it's really easy to do is to blame the other partner for or the other person in that conversation for whatever their whatever you think their accountability is but mm -hmm. they can't take accountability for something that they didn't know they did in the first place either so they can't take accountability for the way that you're feeling because they may not have known they even hurt you in the first place yeah but they have control over their actions mm -hmm. and their words and they can do things differently there I mean, that's the difference between saying you're embarrassed because of something that they said versus, like, oh, you're just trying to control me. Like, I know one of the references, examples in the book that I was reading was the guy made a comment about her eating. She, he's like, oh, you're eating a lot, like, in front, out in front of their friends. And so they showed two, uh, two you know, <laughs> sides of the conversation, one that's a little bit more conflicting, um, you know, shifting that blame in one where you're taking accountability for your feelings and just really trying to get through the conversation to resolve. And, like, she was. She's like, oh, you're just trying to control me because it was something to do with her diet. Mm. She, like, wanted to do a diet. And so once they had the emotions and she said, I felt really embarrassed that you did say that in front of my friends. And he explained, oh, well, like, I know I want to help you with your diet. I guess I just didn't know what to say. And maybe it came out wrong. And, like, so you guys are talking about your contributions to how that situation arose. Mm -hmm. And, like, that is a lot more successful instead of being like, oh, you do this, you do that, you make me feel. Mm -hmm. I also really don't like always or never in conversations about feelings. Like, okay, oh, you why? always... Because... You're like, oh, you always talk like that. Oh, you're always a bitch. You never t spend time with me. You're looking, you're giving me the face. You're like, that just sounds, like, you look like. <laughs> I look like, <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. You're about to start a rumble with me. I'm like, excuse me, what did you just say to me? Like, yeah, I, you know, and I, I was just curious. Cause, but, like, the phrases that you were using, I was very much like, oh, yeah, no, that would set me off. Like, I would get angry real quick because, like, I know where my actions lie whether they are, like, you're always a bitch. Like, no, I just get bitchy towards the end of this conversation because I'm exhausted. I try to put my point across. I try to tell you I'm exhausted. I'm done with this conversation. You want to keep going. Like, I don't have it in me to keep having this conversation right now, but you want to continue. So, yeah, now I am being a bitch. Or the, like, you never spend time with me is, like, you know, I have flashbacks to, like, an, um, an old spouse saying that, and I'm like, that's not even true. Like, I'm, I'm spending time with you every single weekend. Like, it's not never. It's just... It's not when you need it most, but you're not communicating that you need it most. So how am I supposed to know? I think that's where it lies. That's why I really don't like always or never, because it implies that you don't do those things or that you're always, you know, for lack of a word, always doing it. It's, it's You're not being present. You're not dealing with the at-hand problem. You guys can spend time talking about your entire relationship, but is it going to deal with the problem you had today? And I think that's another that's another point to like touch on when you like get into those conversations and you are trying to divulge your feelings is separating how you're feeling right now about the entire relationship 
mm. versus the problem at hand because I know I I know for myself I can get really caught up in like this relationship is already shit like why am I even bothering so like I don't want to work through this small problem but like little do I know that like possibly working through this small problem could fix some of the bigger underlying issues in our relationship and I think it's hard to kind of like place the like oh, we're so happy right now. I don't want to have this conversation because, like, we're so happy. And, like, so having this really hard conversation or having this conversation about this thing that bothered me is going to ruin, like, the whole the whole vibe we've got going. And, like, that's also... that's all, Either toss-up is not a good idea. Like, you need to just make sure that you deal with the problem at hand with the emotions that are being felt right there with that problem, not yeah. overall emotions about the relationship. I mean, especially, like, you're talking about those feelings walking in if I were to say always or never in that, that kind of type of statement to you, you would get, I mean, you got defensive right yeah. away. You were like, oh gosh, I'm like starting to fight. My face was like, excuse me, bitch. Uh, yeah, I mean, a common one that I hear is like, you're always mad at me. And I'm just like, that's not true. Because like, you get right into defense mode. You're like, oh, I'm, I'm being accused. I'm on trial here. Mm-hmm. Instead of having that, like, I felt really lonely this week. And like, I just wasn't feeling that affection from you. Um, so I wanted to talk to you about it so that we can make a, a better plan mm-hmm. to go forward so that I can get the affection that I'm looking for from you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, it's funny that you bring that up because that was something that, like, you know, last night I had seen um, the person I'm seeing, and he was very much, like, very lovey-dovey last night. And I was like, baby, what is going on? He's like, I just missed you. I just missed you. And I keep in mind it had only been a few days, but he was very much like, I just want affection. And I was like, oh, okay, sure. Very, like, very open and very communicative as to, like, what he needed in that moment, which was really, like, for me, a change of pace from, you know, previous relationships of, like, you know, guys not being communicative about their feelings. And I'm like, I need you to be communicative about your feelings because I am I am really good with my intuition, but I am not a mind reader. Like, I am very intuitive, but not that good, okay? <laughs> like... Um, so just to have that sort of dialogue that was like, I just need attention and like affection. I need you to like touch my hair and like put your legs across me, like some sort of body contact. I was like, wow, like laid out for me exactly what he needed in that moment. Everyone's different. You mm-hmm. Even something that you maybe you think you're trying really hard about, like giving that affection might not be what's, what they're looking for, what's right for them. That's mm-hmm. why having an open dialogue instead of just placing the blame mm-hmm. is always going to be a more successful... Even if it's not a resolve, like a resolution, you get somewhere farther in the conversation so that hopefully, eventually, you can. Mm-hmm. Like, even if it's as simple... Like, I know sometimes cell phones become a really big problem in relationships. So, um, especially, like, going out to dinner and you always want to take pictures. Obviously, you want to, like, show you're with your spouse and whatnot. But I think there comes a time where, you know, the cell phones become a problem. Um, and I just watched The Social Dilemma last night. Mm-hmm. So, um, I didn't get through all of it. It started to get late. And I was like, I'm going to fall asleep pretty soon. And this is a really good show. But, like, I just... Or a movie. And I was like, I just need to go to bed. But they talked about, like, the the addiction that we have with our cell phones and getting that immediate dopamine rush. Instead of having that one-on-one conversation with the person sitting right in front of you, you'd rather, like, get those immediate dopamine rushes from your phone. Um, So I think that that's also another thing is, like, making sure that in a relationship specifically, and this doesn't even have to do with difficult conversations, but just making sure that you set aside time that's, like, 
solely devoted to like one-on-one time with your partner and that doesn't mean that like you're both on your phones in the same room like one-on-one time is you both of you having a conversation like I said to my spouse this morning he turned he's like very much like a tv he's a visual person and I'm not I'm like an auditory person so I'm like just put music on whatever well he turned the tv on and I was like had my cup of tea he had his cup of coffee and I was like can we shut the tv off and just like have some one-on-one time this morning and I didn't know that that was something that like I had needed until like he turned the tv on and I was like instantly annoyed and I was like I'm not to get to spend any one-on-one time with you this morning and I was like yeah but if I don't open up about that he's not gonna know mm-hmm. so I instantly was like hey can we shut the tv off and just like have some you and I time and just sit here and talk until like I have to leave and he was like yeah absolutely immediately shut the tv off we like didn't put music on until like almost I was leaving and walking out the door and he was like that was nice I enjoyed that I was like yeah I'm, I'm not a big tv in the morning person like I want to spend one-on-one time with you and like I want to be quiet and, like, just kind of present. Like, that's my time in the morning to, like, be with me, myself, and I. And he was like, oh, okay. Well, like, good to know. Like, yeah, we can do that more. Like, oh, thank God. Like. Yeah, it always looks different. Quality time looks different for everybody. Mm -hmm. Um, I really love, like, seeing families say, like, oh, dinner time, no cell phones. Because it's more about the attentiveness. Mm -hmm. You know, you guys are having the chance to have those opportunities to talk or open up. Yeah. And with you know distractions like tv or cell phones it can play a huge factor in not like losing that communication and not feeling like you're you're getting someone's full attention like when your cell phone's out or it's even on the table i can already sense this like i'm not going to end up with full devotion because that buzz is going to come in and i know it's going to be more me than it is going to be him that i'm going to immediately pick up the phone oh yeah the people that come out on dates and they got their cell phone right on the top of the table face up like they're ready to get the text message to go mm-hmm. i'm always like bad move this is not going to be a good date it's like okay uh-huh. Mine doesn't even come out of my purse. I actually sometimes leave my phone at home. It just depends on the, the occasion, how I'm feeling. You know, I do try to limit. I love screen time, as we know. So, mm-hmm. so I do try to limit it. But, like, how uncomfortable is it to be, like, trying to, like, say a happy, fun story about your day at work, and then they're like, huh? What did you just say? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it makes you feel really invalidated, and half the time you're just like, huh, Okay. And you just, like, don't even continue the conversation. Be like, oh, yeah, it was just, yeah, it was just, it was a funny story. It's fine. And, like, you just kind of, like, move on. And then you're just, like, sitting there. and Because they, at that point, have already probably dived back into their phone or whatever they were doing previous to mm-hmm. that conversation. Um, so, yeah, I just think that, like, making sure that you are attentive to whatever your partner needs. And that goes for difficult conversations as much as it goes for anything outside of difficult conversations. Yeah, and I just have to circle back to the feelings conversation just one time to just say um, it's not a question of whether strong feelings will arise, but when. Mm. I feel like that's the big thing to remember. Feelings are always going to arise within a conversation. Yeah, absolutely. And I think something to kind of build off of that is like making sure that you recognize when those big feelings are coming like Mm -hmm. for yourself and just like okay I'm starting to feel overwhelmed or I'm starting to feel like I'm getting angry or I'm starting to feel defensive or I'm starting to get sad so I'm going to start crying and like you know giving the other person in that conversation the whereabouts of where you are at mentally and emotionally like hey I'm like I know that, like, we still need to figure this out, and I, I want to come to, you know, some sort of conclusion, but I'm getting really overwhelmed, like, that whole, like, look after yourself in that conversation. So if you start to feel, like, a lot of feelings and they're coming up, give your 
give the other person in the conversation like the know abouts instead of just like yelling yeah, or get getting defensive. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause you can always, sometimes they're immediate, like sometimes you don't always know. So it comes out, but if it, if it is like a reactive thing, I know I get really defensive, like really quickly. So I'm always like, I'm sorry, like that it has nothing to do with you. I got defensive. Like, hold on. Can we rewind? Like, that's not, I need to say that better. So I always like, as soon as it comes out of my mouth, I'm always like apologizing in the next sentence because I'm like, wait a minute, hold up. That's not what I meant. That's not how I wanted to say that. It is what I meant, but it's not how I wanted to say it. Can I like retract that and say it the way that like needs to be said um yeah I, I don't think that you or I are perfect in the I feel statements oh my god no definitely not it's a, always going to be a work in progress but like I think the more you implement it the better your conversations will start to become mm-hmm, absolutely uh rounding this out I do want to talk about the last type which was identity um this is like more of a conversation within you I know we touched upon that a little bit but this is where you ask all the questions to yourself. What does that, you know, what does this conversation do for my self-esteem, my well-being, my future? Um, how is this going to impact me? I know, like, a lot of people that want to ask for raise don't want to get rejected. Mm-hmm. And maybe that makes you feel like you aren't a good you know, worker anymore and mm-hmm. a good employee. Or maybe you might feel like a, a good or bad person depending on the conversation Mm -hmm. i think it's really important to check in with yourself you know right alongside the self-care during conversation you need to do it before um during and after absolutely check in with yourself 100 percent of the time yeah and i think also like if you have that moment where you do snap very much like myself like either you meant it because you're feeling defensive so like i'm always like okay I meant what I said, but I didn't want to come across as super defensive. I got defensive. I'm sorry. Like, let me retract that statement. It's like recognizing where you're at and then like being able to take it back a few steps and be like, can I rephrase that? Because I don't want to create that sort of tension in this, in this conversation. Like whether it's crying, whether it's yelling, defensive, whatever, you don't want to create that sort of tension. So you you can be like, okay, can we take, can we take five maybe and like, you know, take a break and take a rest. Um, but definitely being able to identify your own feelings is really important in a conversation. I think that and like knowing what the conversation means to you on a personal level, Mm. um, you know, why does it matter? Why are you, maybe why you're getting upset? Like we talked about, you know, it could be something within your childhood, maybe something's at stake for you. I mean, think about breaking up with somebody. That's a difficult conversation or asking them out. That's a different, difficult conversation. So like, what's at stake for you? that that's hard and maybe you've gotten a lot of rejection in your past and so it just makes you really anxious or really angry that you might get rejected Mm -hmm. it's usually if if some emotion is arising it is inherently about you and your like something that's happened to you Mm. your feelings what's at stake for you yep so keeping that in mind i think will allow you to move the conversation along with in a with a better flow yeah absolutely i think the only thing i want to touch upon is self-doubt I wrote down that you might feel like you're letting yourself down based off expectations you made around yourself or your actions. Like, do you become the villain? Hmm. Hmm. That's interesting. Can you repeat that one more time? You might feel like you're letting yourself down based on expectations you made around yourself or your actions. Do you become the villain? Like, for example, if you did have a conversation where maybe it didn't go quite the way you were hoping for and you blew up 
do you become the are are you now the villain are you such a terrible person because you blew up like maybe maybe they follow up and they say something and then that makes you feel bad you're like oh maybe i shouldn't have brought this up that that's probably oh Mm. man like i don't (laughs) Mm, okay i've definitely felt that way not necessarily like the villain but when they have a comeback that's definitely like i'm definitely like oh, man, maybe I shouldn't have brought this up. Like, why did I bother? I knew this was how it was going to go. What's happening? Like, oh, great. Now we're going to do nothing but argue all night. And, like, I definitely have those moments of, like, I don't think my, like, the thought doesn't run through my head, like, I'm the villain. It's just more or less, like, why did I do this myself? Like, why did I bring it up sort of thing? That that is the self-doubt. Like, holding yourself accountable and just knowing that you, just because you're doubting yourself doesn't mean you're doing the wrong or right Mm. thing. Like, be aware and question yourself very presently like is this still something i want to continue or do you want to backtrack or is Mm -hmm. it not something to worry about um you know it's talked about identifying the actual conflict is it about the project details or is it just about worrying about it yeah what is it worth worrying about it you know identifying Mm -hmm. that and then maybe you can make it a situation oh maybe i do want to I think you're right. Yeah. And step away from the conversation. So you kind of have to check in with yourself. Yeah. That whole, that last one, identify your feelings. Like, I think it's a, it is definitely huge. There's just one other thing that, uh, there were other times where I could have talked about this, but I totally forgot about it. It's the compliment sandwich. Mm. Um, Alyssa actually, Alyssa introduced me to this one. I use this, I, I found this with more like work relationships, mm-hmm. yeah. especially as I used to be a manager at multiple locations. So like that, they always sold it as the compliment sandwich. <laughs> Do you want yeah, to explain that? I never knew that it was the compliment sandwich, but it was something that I was already doing within my employees is like giving them a compliment of like, Hey, you're doing this really great. I love that you're showing up on time. Yada, yada, yada. It's been great. Um, but we're having some performance issues in, you know, keeping cleanliness. So, um, you know, can we work on that? And you kind of establish a plan and then compliment them again before you end the conversation. Um, I will have to give a little side note that you have to do this in a tactful way because yes. it can definitely become off very condescending or you're just bullshitting someone, especially yes. in the workplace. Mm-hmm. Um, but if you do it effectively and correctly, you will have a, a much better conversation because the, I think a lot of times, especially in the workplace, we get the negative. We hear, oh, you you didn't do this, this wasn't good enough, or, mm-hmm. like, you need to do better on that. And the compliment sandwich takes that out of the equation. You're like, you are doing a really good job. It's just this little thing that we need to work on. Yeah. But, like, overall, you're doing a really awesome job, and I want to continue to see you flourish. Yeah, and I think, so, like, the way I would have, like, rounded out that conversation is, like, hey, like, you know thanks for being so open to some criticism. It's really great that like you have such an open mind and I appreciate you letting me, letting me have this conversation with you and, you know, not blowing up. Like that's an easy, that's an easy compliment when someone just is able to sit there and take that, that criticism. Um, cause it is just constructive criticism cause you do want to see them do better. Mm-hmm. So, um, that was my last point. Do you have anything else for us, Alyssa? Um, I think I, went into more about like the questions we ask ourselves and then just some to do's to hopefully help with conversations these types of conversations so questions we might ask is like why didn't we stand up for ourselves oh god are we being taken advantage of um could we be rejected attacked or hurt by the other person how to be overwhelmingly tactful that nothing happens i know that one was a big hit home for me i am like that 
so PC, so polite person that, like, I'm always thinking about my words so that I don't hurt somebody or, like, hopefully to stop something from happening. And mm-hmm. I have to just understand that I can't be tactful all the time. Like, I am going to be blunt. I'm going to have emotions where I just get angry and say something. It's, it's Things are going to happen. It doesn't mean it's bad. Yeah. It is. It's very natural. Um, but I think in learning more skills, I think the takeaway would be to do less message delivery and more learning conversations. Like, we're not just putting a message, hey, I'm mad for this reason. Like, you guys are trying to learn together. Mm-hmm. And the more you guys learn and walk away from conversations, the better your relationship is going to become. Yeah, whether that's, like, per- whether that's personal with a spouse, with a friend, um, or a coworker, I think, you know, all these tips that we kind of just gave through this entire episode can be placed in all of those situations. Yeah, I mean, and don't forget that you are having a difficult conversation not to hurt your relationship, but to make it better. You're not hindering it by having this conversation. As anxious, as nerve-wracking as it can be sometimes, it's going to improve, not hinder your Mm -hmm. relationships. And if you both walk in with that mindset, I don't think you're gonna walk away from a conversation in a negative light either i do think we need to talk about the flip side because as much as we want to see difficult conversations end well Mm. sometimes sometimes it just doesn't i just said being tactful sometimes you can be so tactful and it's just not going to improve the conversation. Mm-hmm. It It's just not going to get better. And maybe that's because you aren't ready to re-engage or maybe you disengage from the conversation. Um, you know, hopefully practicing and gaining that skill, the, like the skills that we're talking about, you might notice that it becomes more of a learning conversation. Um, you know, maybe you're just sharing more insight. Maybe you're trying to understand your partner's insight and understanding. And then hopefully... Um, Instead of persuading them to your side, you guys are discussing each other's point of view Mm -hmm. and managing it together. Yeah. You guys are a team. Mm -hmm. I always say us against the world type of thing instead of you versus me. That's why I I brought up earlier the, like, I don't want it to ever be me against my partner or me against whoever this other person is in this conversation. I always want it to be me and you against whatever this problem is and come to some sort of solution. Yeah, I'm already not competitive. Like, I don't need to be competitive with my partner, please and thank you. Yeah, unless we're playing beer pong, then I'll get competitive. But any other time, no, I don't want to be competitive with you. <laughs> okay, so do you have anything else? To- no. Did you learn a lot this week? Because I know I learned I'm a ton. I'm still learning, but I I'm so excited to learn this. Um, I think to close this out, I just want to reiterate the points that we did make. I have my little check sheet here, so <laughs> let's see. I've got keep, keep goals realistic. Reduce the assumptions. Don't go into the conversation with unfounded information. Look at underlying feelings and emotions on your side and your partner. Don't cut people off when they're speaking. Don't be afraid of silence. Everyone processes things differently. That's me. I go silent in conversations because I'm processing a lot. (laughs) Um, Deduct the actual conflict. You're not mad about the project details. You're wondering if it's worth worrying about. Mm -hmm. And then for the resolution, it's not in your actions. It's in your thinking. If you only strive for improvement in actions and not what to do with the behaviors you will continue to fail. 
working on reducing fear, anxiety, whatever the emotion is, and then managing the remaining problems is usually a more attainable pr- approach. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Is there anything to add? Um, just, I'm going to say listen up. Like, make sure that you're fully present and that you listen to your partner 100% be clear about how you feel and what you want in that conversation. Um, look at the issue from their perspective. That's a really big one. Mm-hmm. Um, Stepping into their shoes. Mm-hmm, absolutely. If things aren't going as planned, take a break, table the conversation. I think Alyssa and I touched upon that a lot, just saying, like, if it's not going well and you don't feel like anything's getting resolved and you're getting numb, table it. Like, it's got to wait for another time when you both are more emotionally available for that conversation. Mm-hmm. Um agree to disagree you're gonna have plenty of conversations you're not gonna agree upon and you just gotta let it go um and i think just look after yourself that is probably my biggest one is recognizing where your thoughts for the people in the back (laughs) look after yourself in a conversation it's very very important self-care within those conversations and being able to identify your own feelings and your own emotions is really really important i think that was a fantastic episode i do too All right, lovelies, we are going to be signing off, and we will talk to you next time. Goodbye, pumpkins. Don't forget to rate, like, subscribe, and follow wherever you can find us. We love you.